If a man has money today, people don't care if he has cocoa pay. If a man has money today, people don't care if he has cocoa pay. He can commit murder and get off free. Live in the governor's company. But if you are poor, people tell you, shoot, a dog is better than you. Welcome to Southern Songs and Stories and the conclusion of our two-part series on how music artists make a living, what links they go to in order to keep making music, and why they so often stick with it when they pay out more than they make. We had no money, and I had the idea of, like, let's go to Old Town Alexandria and street perform, busk, and see if it anything happens. And at that point, I, I couldn't even stand and play the guitar. I, I was that near the guitar. Is tax season a nightmare? Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of fudging. I went to college and I double majored in accounting and computer information systems and got a job with PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, in Nashville. And uh, man, I really hated that job. You know, the way that we, the way that we started um, this band, you know, was playing the bars five, six nights a week in Charleston. You know, that, that really supported us. And, I still remember the day Mikey quit his job at the city paper, you know, and we just started gigging. You know, when you're doing the dishes, you have so much time to really, like, think and and dwell or just, I don't know, either listen to uh, the radio or something. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. So you want to be a musician. The music bug bit you, and you just can't resist the urge to pick up an instrument. Maybe keep a notebook handy at all times to write down ideas and lyrics. You start recording pieces of melodies and sing them to your phone before the ideas evaporate. Maybe it was because you saw that performance where the light bulb went off over your head or you heard a song in a movie soundtrack that moved you, or you got on stage and felt more alive than anywhere else. However it happened, you are soon woodshedding and finding like minds to play with and then finding an audience to play to. The muse serves up a sweet elixir, and you may be forever under its spell. The people you will hear from today are firmly in that camp, but there are also plenty of musicians who have dropped out. Some came back, too. In our first episode on side hustles, there were a lot of examples of why music artists would want to quit making music, at least as a primary means of making a living. Making money by making music is harder than ever, it seems, unless you are at the very top of the heap. Musicians can all too easily lose money making albums because making a record is often as expensive as buying a car, and fewer and fewer people are buying records. Streaming makes up three-quarters of the pie as far as music buying goes, and streaming pays artists even less than physical records do. But you need new music to tour consistently, and touring used to make up for a lot of the thin margins from selling records. However, nowadays, it's all too easy to lose money on tour. All the money you have poured into instruments and equipment? Well, sometimes those can get stolen while you're on tour. The pitfalls for professional musicians seem to have no end. But there's no shortage of people making music, and plenty who stay with it through thick and thin. 
I hinted at why that's the case in our first episode, but never spelled it out. If you haven't deciphered the clues yet, stick around and it will come together by the end of the episode. Along the way, you'll hear from artists exerted at the top of the podcast. Danger Muffin, Joey Burns of Calexico, The Deer, Max Brown and Phil Bronstein of The War and Treaty, and Dan Federica from Scythian, along with a lot of their music, too. And the main clue is the music. Music like this, from Austin, Texas band The Deer, performed at the Albino Skunk Music Festival this spring. We have a couple more for you, and unfortunately we can't hang out tonight. We have to drive to Tallahassee for we play a festival tomorrow at noon. But it's been amazing, and thank you all so much. We do have some merch over here. If you want to help us out with some gas money before we uh, head on back to Texas, y'all come to Austin and visit us. And uh, hopefully, maybe we'll be back. We'll be uh, coming out with an album in about September or October, and we're going to travel through back here with it. So um, be sure to plug into WNCW and, and see where we're at. <laughs> We, uh, we wrote this one really late one night, and then we forgot about it for like a, a year almost. And then somebody found it a voice memo on the phone, and we were like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Oh, that's us. Hey, why don't we do that song? Here it is.
Hey everybody, I know you like podcasts enough to have made it this far into the episode, so I bet you like to listen to other podcasts and enjoy discovering a new one. Here's one you'll probably like, called TalkHouse. The TalkHouse podcast is where musicians, actors, filmmakers, and artists talk one-on-one to their peers about their work and careers. For example, their episode with Jim James of My Morning Jacket and MC Taylor of His Golden Messenger is right in the Southern Songs and Stories wheelhouse. Two of my favorite musicians talking freely about everything from how they played at the same Texas record store gig back in 2001 to how Jim James sometimes listens to Thai or Vietnamese music to get inspiration for lyrics and how Mike Taylor learned that he shouldn't try to embody his heroes but make his Golden Messenger records instead. One of those is playing right now with the song Hat of Rain from the album Paw. You can find that podcast and many more at TalkHouse.com. And while I'm at it, please support the music of the artists you enjoy hearing here, like The War and Treaty. You can catch their episode Blowing the Roof Off and Loving Without Limits, as well as episodes on topics like Southern culture and music and plenty more. And I hope you will spread awareness about this independent project and consider helping by subscribing, rating, and commenting on the show where you get your podcasts and by becoming a patron. You can find out more at southernsongsandstories.com and at patreon.com slash southernsongsandstories. And you can keep up with us on our Facebook page, on Twitter at South Scenes, and Instagram at South Stories. Send me an email and I will be glad to get back to you from southernsongsandstories at gmail.com. This series is available on most every podcast platform as well as on Bluegrass Planet Radio. This is Southern Songs and Stories the music of the South, and the artists who make it. I don't think it's a secret that it's uh, a tough path. Uh, Being a full-time musician, you know, even being a part-time musician, just kind of tracking down gigs and uh, you know, the financial side of things is not always obvious. Um, a band like the War and Treaty, uh, right now we're traveling as a nine-piece band, eight-piece band. Um, eight-piece band for this tour. For that's, this, this that's, tour is an eight-piece band. That's a lot band. to carry. That's so a lot. So it's a lot to carry, and you know the overhead is high. But it, credit to Michael and Tanya, they do a really good job of managing um, a large production and doing doing it extremely well. And you know, for us. I was piecing together, you know, five or six different bands and doing my solo thing and doing studio work and the calendar, just staying on top of the calendar was already kind of a nightmare. And so a gig like the Warren Treaty is really nice for side guys like us because we get to just really invest ourselves in, you know, 30 songs rather than learning a hundred songs from different artists, which I find really nice. Although I hear that Michael likes to whip some stuff out yeah and he's got a deep catalog so that could be a challenge we don't get bored that's for sure <laughs> yeah this is max again um i was i was trying to figure out how many songs of of michael and tanya's that i knew and uh i got the list up in the in the early 200s before i kind of lost track of all these song names and stuff like that um uh michael and tanya and you know, it's it's Michael a lot, and and Tanya writes amazing songs too. But Michael is freaky about how much great material he writes. So 
it's a song every day for the most part and sometimes it's more than that um and it's hard to keep up with uh but you know i I was in the same boat as phil where uh philippe bronstein is a terrific solo artist in his own right and has toured extensively and put out some really great records um that are available online um but um i was you know playing in uh when i finally decided to to tour full-time with the Warren Treaty, I had 12 different bands that I had to sub out gigs with. Um, And that was my life in Michigan before I really met Michael and Tanya and started doing this full-time, which has been about a year now. Yeah. So how much of your time was spent coordinating gigs? (laughs) I I haven't had a regular job in in the better part of a decade. If you're subbing in and out of 12 (laughs) bands, I don't... What... You know, it's like a lot of... I was really tired all the time. <laughs> yeah, just just the pen and paper. It's that, it's it's driving, you know, uh, you, you know, some days uh, I would have three, so I would have six hours of live music, but, or, you know, whatever that amounts to, four to six hours of live music, but then like four to six hours of driving from town to town to, to try and make it happen and, mm-hmm. you know, playing solo jazz too. Yeah. It's been said that musicians are not really paid to play music they're paid to drive <laughs> yeah that's how it feels because uh you know hanging out here at skunk fest and and being with the the great people here and um and you know later on tonight playing a, a set of music we love doesn't really come across as work but it uh you know uh driving here yesterday is the part that feels like the job <laughs> That was bassist Max Brown and keyboardist Phil Bronstein of the band The War and Treaty, following a bit of the intro to their live set from this April in Greer, South Carolina. A steady gig with a high-profile act like The War and Treaty is highly sought after by a great many musicians who are faced with either working in any number of bands to play enough gigs or with working jobs flexible enough to allow them to go on tour. Mostly in the latter category is the band that you heard earlier in the show, who describes their music as psychotropic folk, the deer. Are there any notable side hustles in, in the deer? I'm, a, I'm an artist and graphic designer, uh, basically full-time when I'm not traveling and playing music. Um, it, it keeps my bills paid for the most part, and music is, is more of a fun thing for me. Yeah, and uh, m- most of the band does play outside of the deer in Austin regularly with um, notable bluegrass musicians or gypsy jazz or whatever the the case may be or um, Alan has a great jazz and hip-hop projects going on Um, and so and Mike does side engineering um, and Noah's a great sound engineer and just everybody stays busy in this form or fashion in the music industry somehow yeah. just to just to keep the chops up and to keep the mind yeah pertinent. is tax season a nightmare yeah uh, <laughs> there's a lot of fudging my mommy helps us great <laughs> thank you mama yeah it's sooner or later it's all a nuclear family in this right yeah. you're gonna pull there either gonna be your real mom or somebody's gonna take that on and yeah. a friend or all of her moms have been uh, amazing and dads Sorry. yeah like for instance uh mike's dad lends us of the, uh, the van the tour van and he's been the, the owner of it but he, he rents it out to us at a super cheap discount and you know just everybody's family has has come 
with this gracious uh it's like the giving tree but we didn't need to cut down the tree to see the the value of our parents you'll hear more from the deer on a future episode of southern songs and stories looking at their upcoming schedule i don't see any house parties listed on the tour but a great number of artists play these kinds of private events often making better money than at public venues Performances at people's homes has an especially strong tradition in blues, folk, and country music, and they go all the way back to the Renaissance in Western culture before public concert halls were built. Hip-hop and rap were born in house parties in the South Bronx. Punk rock and hardcore always did and still do embrace basement shows. I used to host house parties and would supply food and drink and pass the hat to guests and give all the money to the band. House parties can go the route of actual ticket sales, too, and in recent years have attracted more people who are tired of being crowded and talked over at public spaces while they are trying to pay attention to the music and musicians who want to engage more directly with their audience. This has attracted new business models, evidenced in companies like So Far Sounds, founded in London in 2011. They describe themselves as, quote, a global community hosting curated secret performances in more than 400 cities around the world, end quote. So Far Sounds uses volunteers to put on and host the shows, with a typical show featuring three acts, and as a recent article in TechCrunch reported, sometimes offers video footage of the shows to artists while often paying $100 for the gig. And they keep the rest, typically 10 times that or more. However, I asked Boone, North Carolina musician Shea Martin Lovett about his experience with the company after he played a So Far Sounds event, and he said, quote, Based on my experience, it is a great way to introduce my music to a new crowd in an intimate listening room type setting. I think So Far Sounds has built a great reputation in larger cities of bringing in great under-the-radar talent so folks that attend may not have heard the music before but are excited to discover new artists, end quote. In the city for a while, the plot line rearranged. A voice got louder as the sunset fell away. Did he make the plan without the time or space? When the fog rose off, the water he'd won the race. Like leaves upon the boat He came here and fell Graceful and slow Seek something real It's all That really matters Never let it shatter That's the song Shatter by Shea Martin Lovett from his album Swift Drifter. You may have never attended the So Far Sounds kind of house party, but chances are better that you have gone to a benefit show at some point. Musicians are always being asked to do shows benefiting a charity, nonprofit, or another musician. Many times they will be paid for these benefits, but at others they may play for free or for a reduced rate. I have seen this kind of generosity countless times over the years. Musicians are almost always ready to lend a hand. 
and musicians are very often the ones in need of a hand. A recent example is a previous guest on this podcast, Paul Marshall of the band IC Hawks in L.A., whose career goes back to his days in the Strawberry Alarm Clock. Paul was pitching a softball game this spring when a line drive hit him square in the right eye, breaking his eye socket, displacing his lens, and blinding him. He's had two surgeries already and needs two more to repair the damage and restore his vision. Even with health insurance, his medical bills are staggering, and as you might guess, he can't make money from playing shows because of this, so his friend Jim Harris started a GoFundMe campaign to help him out. To contribute, look for the GoFundMe campaign titled Hardline Drive Impacts Entire Life. Next up, I talk with Dan Federica of the band Scythian, who have roots in the Ukraine, but who play high-energy Celtic music. These guys know how to work a crowd and put on a real show. And by real show, I mean that they know how to get everyone in the audience dancing and interacting with them the whole time they're on stage. Even if you aren't into their style of music, it's hard to deny their magnetism. If you're like me, you might like them okay at first on their albums, but it's impossible to resist being swept up into the party once you see them live. Here's a little taste of that with their song Paint This Town from their compilation Scythian Live on the Old Time Good Time. Get me home in time for the dance Got a girl on my mind Gonna take a chance Fire to fill with a moonshot flow Gonna paint this down now Get me home in time for the dance Got a girl on my mind Gonna take a chance Fire to fill with a moonshot flow We're on the Old Time Good Time Tour, 10,000 miles in four weeks. Woo! It's been, it's been crazy. Just about 40 miles away from here, all of a sudden a really not, really bad sound came from under the hood as we were driving 70 miles an hour. And we were thinking to ourselves, is that normal? And we, then we were convinced ourselves it was normal. And, and then we, we said, no, going. no, no, let's just, yeah, I think it's fine. It's fine. It's just It was a canooter valve. Day. But it was worse. It was terminal. It was terminal. So about 40 miles out, our engine blew out. And that's why you see the great U-Haul up front. It's a very sleek touring vehicle. Tonight's, so, but we tonight's made it. show is literally brought to you by U-Haul. We almost didn't make it. Thank you, U-Haul. Thank you. Thank you for... <laughs> and now I know what it's like to drive in the back of a U-Haul. With with I caught up with the band at this year's Merle Fest, the festival which began in the late 80s as a memorial to Doc Watson's son, Merle. Merlefest is a benefit festival of sorts. The money it generates goes to the place that hosts it, Wilkes Community College in the foothills of western North Carolina. Scythian, who are based out of Washington, D.C., have been playing full-time since 2004, and they are one of the few groups I spoke with that don't have side hustles or have members playing lots of other gigs. They do, however, have one notable side project. I asked guitar player Dan Federica about how the band got its start. You know, we uh, were just out of school, and uh, we were running out. We had no money, and the, I had the idea of, like, let's go to Old Town Alexandria and street perform, busk, and see if it, anything happens. And at that point, I, I couldn't even stand and play the guitar. I, I was that new at the guitar. And uh, we did great that night, so we just started doing street performing, we, and then it was, like, every weekend. And that, that's how we basically made all of our ends meet uh, in school. And then afterwards, we just... We said, let's, let's just play a show and see what happens. And it was like three or 400 people showed up. Oh, wow. 
And we were like, there's something going on here. So we all promised that we'd quit our jobs on the same day. And we just took the plunge. And so we started out full-time from, from almost the very beginning, uh, from street uh, performers to full-time. And uh, it's been 15 years this year. Yeah. So you haven't had to have side hustles. Uh, you've been in it full time. Yeah, we've never taught. We've never. We just done this, and uh, we've launched a kids project. Uh, I have 35 nephews and nieces, and we started uh, a kids project called Cake for Dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we know what kids like. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's been really cool. We just haven't had enough time to devote to it. But our agent, when he heard it, he he said, "I don't want to insult you, but." You probably could make a better living doing your kids' project than sit the end. We're like, oh. no, but we, no, but we did a kids' show here at Merle Fest, and a lot of times we'll get both to do a kids' show earlier in the day and then the sit the end at night. And it's actually one of my favorite experiences because they don't care if you're famous, they don't care what you look like. They just the music is what speaks to them, and it's at its rawest form at a kids' show. It's so fun. Most recently, I caught up with Joey Burns of Calexico when they played for the first time in the region at the Cold Mountain Music Festival. Talking about the other paths that you could have taken mm-hmm. instead of music, have you or any of the band done things outside of music to support yourself along the way? Yeah, um, you know, I do tend to just kind of help others with music. Um, the last solid job I had was washing dishes at a cafe in Tucson that was, you know, 24 years ago or something. But now I am the main person in my household who does the dishes, so... I've honed in on that talent really well. Uh, John works on vintage cars. He's, he loves Volkswagens. So he's got an old 58 Carmen Ghia that he's restored and keeps up. Um, he's really good at that and also, you know, doing stuff at the house. So in a way that sort of supports him and his house. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else? I think Jacob sometimes teaches. He helps out with some of the mariachis. Uh, you know, there's a great mariachi music scene in Tucson, and uh, a lot of uh, the players are teachers. So Jacob gets called in to help with uh, trumpet, and um, he's really quite talented. And Brian Lopez, who's sitting in with us these, these days, he is a substitute teacher as well. So when he's not playing music with all of the different projects that he's got going on, he works uh, at a school. Talking about dishwashing reminds me of a a zine. You, did, were you a fan of zine culture back when those were really around? A little bit. Did you ever re- read Disher? I didn't read Disher. That oh, sounds like it's right uh, up my alley. I'll, I'll have to send you a copy. Yeah. There, there. It was <laughs> the guy who would only do dishes, and he made a zine about it. That's so cool. I can totally relate. He had a Hobart tattoo. Oh yeah. You know, when you're doing the dishes, you have so much time to really like think and and dwell, or just. I don't know, either listen to uh, the radio or something. When I worked at the cafe, you know, you could put on whatever CDs you wanted. And so there was a lot of, I remember distinctively uh, listening to the soundtrack to Paris, Texas, which is a very ambient and slow, kind of sad uh, soundtrack done by Ry Cooter. And I was, I just loved it so much. And that kind of inspired me, you know, to like, you know, to touch on some of those themes sort of that southwestern ambience and see what I could do with my own version, you know. And I think that's kind of why we are drawn to music is because we like something that we've heard and we want to find out how, how to make that happen in your own, in your hands or in your own house or garage or, you know, the cafe down the street or with some friends. 
camping underneath incredible canopy of of leaves and, and trees. It was a real treat to get to see Calexico in my home state, a place that they visit so seldom. That's a bit of their song Spinball from their 2018 album, The Thread That Keeps Us. Their current release is a return to collaborating with Sam Beam of Iron and Wine and the album Years to Burn. Calexico has achieved a level of success and longevity that is rare in the music world. Being able to stick with your muse for 10 years, let alone almost a quarter century like they have, is an accomplishment in itself. And musicians drop out all the time for all sorts of reasons. Famous artists like Bill Berry of R.E.M. quit music. Bill is now a farmer. Farming seems to be a popular choice here. J.B. Gill of the boy band J.L.S. is a farmer along with prize pumpkin farmer Jim Martin of Faith No More and public enemy member turned ostrich farmer Terminator X. The field of medicine is represented by Cindy Birdsong of the Supremes, who left the group to become a nurse, and Alberta Hunter, who left music to become a nurse after her mother died. When she was forced to retire from the hospital because of her age, she returned to singing. Other notable artists who quit and came back include Kathleen Edwards, who stepped away in 2014, launching a coffee house in Stittsville, Ottawa, called, appropriately enough, Quitters. She's now touring a bit and working on her fifth album, though. The artists who quit and come back provide the final clue as to why anyone puts up with the long hours, low pay, and long-distance relationships inherent to life as a professional musician. Despite the many shortcomings of the music business, despite seemingly endless hassles and struggle, Making music is a joy that transcends all of that. There's a sense of accomplishment and belonging that happens when artists are strumming chords, singing a melody, when they are up at all hours writing lyrics or practicing until the song is just right, and when they are finally on stage in front of an audience or listening to their song on the radio. Very often, musicians don't choose music as much as music chooses them. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick. Saying thanks to Zig and everyone at the Albino Skunk Festival, their sound crew, touring logistics, to Sean Rubin at WNCW for mastering the Deer tune, and to Nick Javier and Danielle Dror for helping set up my interview with Joey Burns. That's our show, and thanks to you for listening. We'll end it the way we began, with a bit of Money is King from Layla McCalla. But if you are poor, people tell you shoot a dog.